views expressed in this program are those of the participants. I'm Danielle Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is The Danielle Metz Show. Quote, I don't pay any attention to politics. You should. It's only barely less important than your own heartbeat. This is an exchange from Stranger in a Strange Land by Robert A. Heinlein between two of the main characters, Jill and Ben. And when I first read that, that's, I must have been 11, 12. I think it was just around the time I first read Atlas Shrugs. And it just stuck with me. Because when you look at the nature of what government is and what politics is, that is true. It, because the government is a gun and has potentially complete control over your life, your freedom and everything, it is only barely less important than your heartbeat. I would agree and I disagree with that. In, in, um, just that as an observation, because I have a lot of friends who don't pay any attention to politics and they're living happy, productive, successful <laughs> lives. And I envy them so yes. much because like you, I have been constantly thinking about politics or at least since my first paycheck when I open it up and I find, what the hell is this? <laughs> I thought I was going to get X amount of dollars and now I get X minus this amount of dollars. And I started to go through the itemized reductions in my promised pay. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding school tax. Now mind you, my first job um, was in Newfoundland and they pay the school taxes out of your income. Oh, I was not aware of that. Out of your paycheck, at least at this time. Uh, that's a bit in the mid-70s. School tax and unemployment insurance, as it was called back then. Uh, there was no CPP back then, of course. My eyes were opened. My, they were opened to a fundamental injustice. I was not given what I was promised. Uh, maybe that's the fault of the employer for, for, for not saying that I'll give you X amount of dollars minus what the government Yeah, I was going to say, they don't give you the net amount you're going yeah. to be making. They, t <laughs> they get you in on the gross amount. But then you start to think, okay, this was my promised pay. Should I just ignore the fact and just go by with the net? Or should I investigate what these deductions are? Who's taking this money and what are they doing with it? And why? And how can they get away with it? And of course, as you said, the answer is force. The government, G is for government, G is for gun. Exactly. And they have the legitimate use of force in society. And that is a very important thing. As you say, it's probably slightly less than your own heartbeat. <laughs> but the thing is that you can ignore it. You, you, you ignore it at your peril, but w you can't... What's can that quote? Um, even if you're not interested in politics, politics is interested in you? Exactly. Exactly. If you are one of the madding crowd out there, basically like a, a sheep, not doing anything out of the ordinary, then you can slide by in life and not give a, a second thought to politics as such if you're quite willing to think of your income as net rather than gross. It's very interesting that I find I, I have a, several clients and I am not shy about my political leanings and they, uh, because I'm a bookkeeper and I do their taxes and I do the rest of it, so I get to hear them grumble when they have to pay this and that. And I, I kind of give them their room and eventually, I've had a political conversation with almost every one of them, and they all agree with me. It's not, and they are aware of it. They try to, like you say, just kind of put blinders on. Yeah, it's just the cost of doing business. I just, I don't want to think about it. I have my own business to run. That's enough pressure. I don't want to think about that. But their mindset still is that they 
understand the injustice of it all. It's just that they don't choose to do anything about it. I guess, like many people, they think that what can you do? It's like fighting City Hall. It's an impossible task unless you're willing, as I have done, to put your name on the ballot. And many of our friends and your father and uh, so many people that we know personally have put their names on the ballot because we fundamentally disagree with a lot of the things that are happening in politics. And we see that it's not that difficult, actually, to do something. I know, you know I was elected, uh, well, just slightly above dog catcher to the local, <laughs> local school board, right? Um, and actually, no, I, I disagree with that. School board is way more yes, important yes. than dog catcher. Local politics is very important. It a lot is. more than people give it credit for. And I had some, you know, um, well, where Not do you think our provincial and federal politicians come from? They come from the grassroots The pool, space. yeah, the pool. And it's not as difficult as people might think to actually get elected. You know, I mean, I had, I had a fair good run at, um, with the Canadian Alliance. Coming in second in Ontario? That's pretty good. I think I was the only one. <laughs> <laughs> and um, had a good run at City Council, but I didn't get in there. But the thing was, it, it, as long as you know the process and you buy a ticket, you win the lottery. And that's almost what it is. It's almost like winning a lottery. And, and, and a lot of people that are in there, unfortunately, are not there to um, benefit society as a whole as much as pad their own pockets and push an agenda that's not an agenda that most people believe in. No. That, well, that's the, the, the great part about... Well, I think also there is a certain level of hubris when you're doing it because, well, I guess we have that as well. We think we, what we believe is right. Oh, sure. And so everybody has that, and if, but what we believe is right. <laughs> so, Thing because is we, can we can demonstrate it. We've thought about it for so long. For yes. over 30 years I've been in this business. And, and of course, um, I've, I've considered it to such a degree that if anybody says, like, what do you think of this issue? And I can, I can tell them what I think, and this is why I think it, right? With facts, with figures, with philosophy, with ideas. Right? And also what you're not, you're not saying okay, this is what I'm going to take away from you. These are the freedoms I'm going to curtail. This is the money I'm going to demand from you in order to do these things. You're saying, hey, less government, less taxation, more freedom. Yes, but you know something? I don't think that's sufficient. I think you have to say why. And you said it right at the very beginning when you said about the use of force. Is force right? Is force wrong? And I think actually force can be justified in certain circumstances in self-defense and not justified in any other degree for any other reason. And when you get down to those fundamental levels, which are philosophic levels of um, ethics, then it takes you in different directions. And the, the libertarian notion of less government is better government, I disagree with. I think <clears throat> there is a purpose to government and you define that purpose and if you have to use force in that, then it has to be justified. Well, I think the less government is the less bureaucracy of government because the bureaucracy also becomes self-sustaining because oh, you yeah. don't vote for that. And then becomes a, the government that you elect, it becomes irrelevant because you still have the same bureaucracy there. But it's interesting you mentioned the philosophical and the ethical thing. And that's what actually keeps me interested in politics is because there's so many different levels to it where it's not just making laws, passing laws, electing this person or that person or whatever. It's what is that person's, what is the philosophy of the society? 
that is electing these people, that support these laws? And where do they get these ideas and where are they coming from? I find that kind of psychological aspect very interesting as well. Oh, I agree. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I started off when I was a young man to, to go into science. Uh, physics was my major. And I wanted to do that. And then, I, of course, I get my first paycheck. <laughs> and then I started to think about things political and philosophical. And then I found that that was more interesting than physics. While physics are the laws of, uh, of nature, I'd like to know about the laws of man and what makes men think. So I ended up getting a degree uh, in psychology with a very heavy science background. <laughs> and that, that stood me in good stead when I started to get into politics and into um, talking about politics because it's a perspective on the human behavior, I think, that a lot of people don't consider. The human condition, as it were. Yes, exactly. Because people, you know, go through life, like I said, a lot of my, a lot of my friends go through life without la, thinking la, this. La, la, la. <laughs> I don't begrudge them that. I no, envy them. I, I really envy do. them that too. Um, I don't want to say ignorance is bliss because it's making them sound like uh, I'm smarter than they are. But I, I know certain things that they don't know and they know certain things that I don't know. For example, they might know about sports. <laughs> <laughs> Yawn. <laughs> exactly. It's a fascinating field of study, politics, just in itself, but it's also crucial, as, you, as your opening quote says, it's very important because it can turn on a dime mm -hmm. and you can go from a state of freedom to a state of either anarchy or a, a state of complete dictatorial authoritarian control over every aspect of your life. And like I say, it can turn on a dime. Yep, that will never happen. Until it does. Just ask uh, Germany in 1933, or uh, Russia in 1917, yep. you, you know, or the United States in 1773. Oh, Venezuela. They were the most prosperous, yep. and then they went from most prosperous country in that vicinity to now they're killing zoo animals to eat. And their pets. And their pets. Or like in Haiti, where they're eating actual mud to sustain the bodies. Just to make sure that they don't feel starving. So anyway, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating topic. Why did you get into politics? Well, we know why I did. Just look at the last name. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think I had a choice. It was t I was 10 when my dad started Freedom Party, and I went and did my due diligence and deliver flyers and attend all the dinners and do the rest of it. But it was more than that. It, like I said, it interested me. It wasn't just because... Normally, teenagers are supposed to rebel against their parents. They're supposed to go, oh, you like this? Well, I'm not going to like it. I, no, I got right into it. I like I said, I read Atlas Shrugged when I was 12, just because I wanted to know what everybody was talking about. If you rebelled against your father, you'd be wearing a Che Guevara yeah. t-shirt right now. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be so proud of me. But, but I'm older now, remember? Socialist when you're a teenager, capitalist when you're older. So, But uh, it, uh, no compuncture. I, I fought my grade 9 teacher about the free trade deal between the United States back in the 90s. And he was telling me it was the most amazing thing. He said, well, if they're trading cars from Detroit for oranges in Florida, who's getting the better end of the deal? And I just stopped and looked at him and I went, why would they trade them if they were, one of them was not getting a good deal? Like, they obviously don't need the cars in, De in Detroit and they don't need the oranges in Florida. That's why they're trading them. You see, you've just hit on something that's um, been in my mind of late, and that is that there is a superficiality in most politics today. People are quite willing to simply take tacitly the uh, advice of so-called experts or the people in government 
or their, their overseers, <laughs> as it were, rather than investigate something themselves, go a little deeper, don't look at the superficial uh, arguments or the superficial effects of a law or uh, a policy in, in government, but look at the underlying um, ethics of it, the underlying economics of it. Like you just said, why would they do a deal where they didn't benefit? Yeah, it's like they just go by the headline. They're fed these headlines, yeah. and that's as deep as the thought goes. Climate change is ruining the planet and killing yep. the polar bears. Okay, yep. okay, where do I sign up? Yeah. No. <laughs> do you, have reason. you not heard of the Milankovic cycle? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Apparently not. Dig a little deeper. Find out what are the uh, motivations of the people saying what they're saying, creating these policies. Investigate yourself. Don't take their word for it, for it because... Uh, I think that there should be a general rule of thumb in politics is that every politician is a liar. Yep. And I think that's absolutely true. That every politician is a liar. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're necessarily bad men and women. No, but they, ha they, they have to maintain power, and the only way to do that is to massage the truth a little bit to appeal to the masses. They're acting according to their nature as politicians. Yes. And we have to understand that Many nature. Many ticks. Yes. <laughs> And, uh, you know, that's why I, I'm going to go back to my friends who aren't politically motivated and say that that's probably why they're not involved in it. And it's because it requires effort and study. It does. And you have to make sure you, you check your sources, you know, all the, you know, uh, if somebody admits their bias, you make sure you follow up with that bias and you make sure that you know that that's where they're coming from. Like, I don't mind if people have biases. They all do. But if you're listening to the news, you got to know where, what the... Um, the political outlook is of that particular news source so that you know that you're not just getting climate change is killing all the polar bears kind of uh, outlook. Um, the one thing I do find is I couldn't imagine a world with my world without politics in it because I find it so intellectually stimulating. Like you said, you have to dig deeper. You have to find, get to the core of the truth. You have to do your research. You have to do the rest of that stuff. I thrive on that. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know how other people live such boring lives. I don't think they're boring. I, I live, I, I straddle both camps, I think. I have friends, like I say, who don't, who aren't political, and I, and I go to dinner parties with them, and we have a great time getting drunk and talking about uh, TV shows and movies and what the neighbors are doing and gossip and all of that stuff, and I think that's great. And yet, I can still remember going to the dinner parties at um, your father's house, which is now your house. Yes. <laughs> Um, the house is what we call it. And where you'd have 50 people all talking politics. Yes. And, and it was just a great time. I think uh, a good time can be had by all in both camps. Uh, it's just what are your tastes and how much time do you have to uh, invest in it? And also, who's going to save the world? You and I. <laughs> there you go. All right, I think we'll wrap it up there. So take care, behave yourself, and talk to you soon. Cheers. If you've enjoyed this presentation, visit www.justrightmedia.org for more programming that's not right-wing, it's just right.